Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Carly Porter, the inventor of graffiti quilting and an award-winning quilter herself. I'm super excited to get to speak with her today and find out why she likes to sew. So, hey, welcome to the podcast, Carly. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, well, hey, I know our audience, uh, probably a good number of them know who you are. They've heard about uh, your awesome techniques and probably seen some of your some of your work. But maybe you could just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your background. Sure. So I am um, a graphic designer and artist who happens to use fabric and thread. <laughs> and um, I like to introduce myself that way because I have been an artist long before I became a quilter. And so um, throughout my journey as an artist, I've used lots of different mediums, painting, drawing, sculpting, um, you know, found art, lots of different things. And then in 2009, when I discovered long arm quilting, I've just never gone back. And so fabric and thread has been my main medium, my main squeeze for, uh, you know, 12, 13 years now. And I have no plans to break up with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you yeah. have a, a background predominantly uh, was in art as, a, as an artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, you know, how, how did you first get introduced to sewing or what is your first sort of memory of sewing? So my memories of sewing as a kid were very limited. I, I guess you'd say my mom and my grandma and my aunts and my mom's friends, like they all would get together and, you know, sew different projects. I'm number seven out of eight children. And so when my oldest sister got married, I remember my mom making all of us sisters bridesmaids dresses like from scratch. And oh, I was wow. in like, yeah, I was in fifth grade uh, when she got married and I just drew a picture of the dress I wanted and said, mom, I really want a princess dress. And I drew a picture of it and she said, okay. And like totally made it for me. So my mom and grandma have a really strong, they have a really strong skill set in sewing. And then with quilting, it was all about like tying quilts. Like that was my experience as a kid with quilting was laying under the two by four frames in the living room. And my mom would, you know, put the needle down in with the yarn and I'd pull it through and then stick it back up and she'd pull it through. And so it was a very limited experience with quilting itself. Like I, I didn't grow up knowing that quilting machines existed or that, um, you could quilt like with your domestic sewing machine. Um, but my mom was always really supportive of my love for art. So from a really young age, I was getting, um, you know, like art sets for Christmas and my birthday and beads and craft supplies. And, you know, that's, I was kind of a nerd when I was little and spent a lot of time in my room making bracelets and sewing buttons onto things and just being all around crafty and artistic, you know, filling sketchbooks and things like that. And then it wasn't until I got married in 2009 and I was just looking for a full-time job that I could, you know, help support my husband as he went through school. I'm not a school person. So, uh, I do the bare minimum to get by And in high school. I don't know how I graduated <laughs> high school because I think I skipped more core classes and snuck into the art room <laughs> That's fantastic. Than, than warranted. So I spent, you know, I've always known that art or graphic design or visual communication was something that I would do long-term. I just didn't know exactly what that looked like. Yeah. And um, 
so after my husband, uh, you know, started, we both, we both in the beginning of our marriage were working full time. And I just sent out my resume to anywhere within 25 miles of me that had a full-time job. And actually my first job was working in the, not my first job. I shouldn't say that I had tons of jobs when I was younger, but my first job after getting married, my first full-time job after being out of school, um, was working in the production and testing department for Handy Quilter, which oh, wow. makes long arm quilting machines. Yeah. yeah. So, so I kind of it's it's kind of a cool but backwards experience because I learned how to quilt long before I really learned how to piece. And most people spend money learning how to quilt. Well, I got paid to learn how to quilt because I was testing quilting machines That's for fantastic. forty hours a week. Yeah. So that was, it was really cool. But, but now, you know, I, I'm just kind of slowly learning more piecing techniques, but quilting is definitely where my love lives for the quilting process. So, so prior to getting this job with Handy Quilter, I mean, you said, you know, your mom sewed, your grandmother sewed, and obviously they must've had sewing machines if she made you a dress, even Mm -hmm. though her quilting with you was more of a tacking kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> but did you ever sit down at the sewing machine with your mom prior to, or, or, or let me just, more broadly than that was, was your work at Handy Quilter the first time ever sitting really at an actual sewing machine or did you actually mm-hmm. sew with your mom? I did. Yeah, I did. sew with my mom, um, a lot, I can't tell you how many needles I broke as a kid running over like corn kernels and beans, making bean bags. <laughs> So I remember the first thing my mom taught me how to do was to take two square pieces of fabric, sew three sides, flip it right side out, fill it with beans or corn or whatever else I could find in the pantry, and then surging that last edge and making bean bags. So I probably made 30 or 40 bean bags and broke probably six or seven needles. And then my mom was like, Kate, hey, you need to chill for a second. Um, <laughs> Don't tear then- my sewing machine. <laughs> Yeah. And she, she was always so gracious about it. And the other, the other thing was like replacing light bulbs for the sewing machine more often because I was just using the machine a lot more. But, and then the other thing that she taught me was how to make a rag quilt. So as I started making my own quilts, that was what I learned where there's no batting in there. You just sew the squares, you sew an X between them. And then when you sew them together, instead of making a seam that tucks under you make a seam that goes up and then you snip the edges so that it frays and it makes a rag quilt and so I remember making a few rag quilts and going to my local local farmer's market and you know selling a couple rag quilts for 20 or 30 bucks or whatever so so yeah so I did my my mom definitely helped me kind of learn my way around a sewing machine and kind of understand what was happening but yeah, but as far as like making patch, patchwork quilts or definitely with free motion quilting, that wasn't until I was in my adulthood that I really okay. started to so, explore so you, that. And oh, go ahead. The, I was going to say the cool thing about working for Handy Quilter was that because I had this artistic background and while I was testing machines every day, like when I'm testing a quilting machine, I had to just do the same patterns over and over again because, you know, we have to make sure the machine works before yeah. we send it out. But I had all of these ideas in my mind that one of the benefits of working there is they would let us take home like a used loaner machine to keep at our house. So I would, you know, quilt those same patterns for eight hours and then go home and Andrew, my husband would be knee deep in homework 
And I would just sit down at this little tiny HQ 16 quilting machine. And that's where all my magic would come out, all the Mm -hmm. stuff that I wanted to quilt all day. And, you know, so that's kind of cool because in those late nights in our little basement apartment, that's kind of where graffiti quilting started to be born was just exploring the styles that I had drawn for years in my sketchbook and applying that to fabric and thread. So, so that was really cool. Yeah. I was quilting. People are like, Oh, I wish I had time to do what you do. And it's like, well, just, I don't have a social life. (laughs) So I, I spent, you know, a lot of time with my hands on a quilting machine. And so there was a point where I was quilting for probably 12 or 13 hours a day and just building muscle memory for different quilting designs and kind of exploring my own voice as a quilter. And so, yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So so had you actually seen like, you know, machine quilted things prior to that? I mean, like you talked about your mom tacking quilts together. Did she actually quilt quilts or was she just a piecer? Well, just tying. That was, that was it. No machine quilting. No. Yeah. Not even domestic straight line quilting or anything like that. So your job at Handy Quilter kind of introduced you to that. Yes. Yeah. That's that's so cool. Totally. That's awesome. Now, did you, it it was, it was kind of cool too. Just a little side note, because my mom's mom, my grandma, um, when she found out, I got that job. She, within like six months, she cleared out a room in her house and she was like, okay, I'm ready to get a quilting machine. And so I helped her get one. That's fantastic. um, Yeah. And that was really cool because like, I'm one of a lot of grandkids. Right. And so grandma time growing up was not like something that we all got as kids because there were just so many grandkids. And so now I'm like, as an adult, it's been really fun to really bond more with my grandma over quilting. And like, I just self-proclaim myself as her favorite grandkid because, (laughs) because we have such a strong love for quilting together. So that's also been a really big blessing in my adult life is to be able to cultivate a stronger relationship with my grandma and bond over quilting together, which that is super been cool. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess yours may be the first story that I've heard actually of, I mean, obviously your grandmother and your mother introduced you to quilting or at least the concept of quilting, but to go the other way where you basically introduced her to machine <laughs> quilting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. It's, it was a lot of fun when, when, she got her machine. I would go over to her house and kind of train her on it and we'd spend time together. So that was really cool to get that one-on-one grandma time that I didn't really get as a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Is she still quilting with her quilting yep, machine? Yep, she is. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yep. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's very cool. Does she quilt any of your patterns? Yes. Yeah. In fact, it's funny because I tell her all the time. I'm like, grandma, I have that, like I have over a thousand designs on my website. So anything you want, just tell me. She's like, oh, I have plenty. Like she, she likes to stick with the ones that she loves, but it's, yeah, it's fun That's to be able fun. to just tell her like anything you want, grandma, I will get it for you. <laughs> That's too, too cool. Now, was there anybody yeah. else uh, that sort of helped you or, or, or taught you? I mean, obviously you were working at a place that employs professionals and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. people that really know how to use those machines did, was there someone there that was instrumental in helping you learn how to quilt by machine? You know, that's an interesting question because through, so I worked for Handy Quilter for about five years from 2009 to 2015. And, mm-hmm. and then a little bit 
Well, actually, I did take a little bit of a break there for about a year between that time. Um, but surprisingly, out of all of the job descriptions that I did there, so I did production, I did shipping, I did fulfillment, I did testing. Um, I even got to do development testing and work mm. with the engineers and developers and do kind of beta testing for pre-release products and stuff, which I think that was probably my favorite position. Um, I never actually did anything like artistic or creative in mm. my job capacity for them. So that was kind of interesting that I, I feel like I got all of the technical skills that I needed um, working there. And I it was kind of like a paying my dues sort of thing in the mm. industry. And um, just kind of learning about the industry. I feel like even in those jobs where they weren't really forward facing, they were very internal building mm -hmm. subcomponents. There was so much um, exposure just to the industry as a whole. Like, you know, I would see some of these like artists and residents that would come to the building and, and they were like full fledged legit artists within the quilting world that were kind of cool to see those aspirations of what maybe I could move into. But at the same time, it's really interesting to kind of look back and feel like throughout my journey as a professional in the industry, I've really been fortunate enough to stay really true to myself and my style and kind of my mindset as an artist. Like, mm. I feel like I never, I'm grateful that I feel like I never compromised who I was as an artist mm. to become a quilter. It's mm. always been, I'm an artist who makes quilts because for me, it's all about the art in the beginning. And then if I can achieve the aesthetic I'm looking for within quilting, then I'll do it. And so, mm. so quilting has always been secondary to like, what am I trying to say as an artist? What, what does my voice look like? What does my aesthetic look like? You know, what am I trying to convey through my work just as someone who is making a visual statement? Yeah. And so, so that's, it's been kind of cool to reflect on that, to, to feel like I have been able to come into this new industry, this new, or new to me industry, a new community while still maintaining my identity as a creative person. So, yeah. So I, it's kind of interesting. Perspective. Yeah. 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 You know, I have zero artistic uh, talents, <laughs> but, you know, uh, so many people do and they're just scared to to explore them. And, you know, they, they look at quilting, I, I, mean, I don't know, and sewing, I guess, in general and say, geez, I really would like to do that. But uh, they need patterns. They need designs from other people because we're not mm -hmm. all super artistic that way. So it's, it's awesome to have somebody that can... Uh, provide people with that creative uh the, the yeah, ability to just follow foundation. themselves yeah i mean and yeah. and graffiti quilting is uh that's pretty cool i mean you know yeah I, I guess if you look around at just graffiti in general you know there's all sorts and types and forms of graffiti right uh, we all <laughs> know how to doodle <laughs> yeah so in 2009, you were, were working for Handy Quilter and, and you said you worked for them for about five years. But at, at what point did you decide that you needed to take this into a different direction and another step and, and follow your entrepreneurial uh, aspirations? How, how did that so, come about? So there were there, I guess there were kind of a couple of things that. So from the beginning, I think very early on in my marriage, you know, my husband and I kind of sat down and said, like, what's our plans? What are our goals? What do we want for the future? And we we knew that 
I was going to want to run a business. Like I've always been entrepreneurial. Like I said, I come from a big family. Um, We were not a family of means. And so it was, I learned very early on in life that when there's a will, there's a way. Mm. And, um, and so I knew very early that I wanted to be my own boss. I also, you know, being number seven out of eight children, I really struggle with authority. And so I knew <laughs> I wanted to be my own boss um, because I I wanted that autonomy. I wanted to be able to, you know, ha- have the control over my life that I wanted. And so, you know, we were talking about like, okay, well, what do we want to do? And I knew I wanted to do something with graphic design. And so um, even while I was working full time at Handy Quilter, there were things that I was moonlighting doing. And one of the first things that I was doing was learning how to digitize computerized quilting designs. So, you know, here and there I would, you know, make these different designs as I was learning how to digitize. And then I slowly started networking with companies that sold computerized quilting designs. So, um, for instance, the very first website that ever kind of took a chance on me, this nobody little 20 year old kid who nobody knew was legacy quilting. And I just Mm. reached out to them and I said, Hey, like, you don't know me, nobody knows me, but I have some patterns. Basically, do you want to pimp me out? And, you know, they were like, great. Yeah. Send them over. We're always happy. And they just welcomed me so warmly, which was so wonderful because that was not the common reaction that I got Mm. in the quilting industry, trying to be a professional who was in my early twenties. So, so throughout those first few years, I was kind of learning how to digitize a little bit. And, um, and then at the same time, like I mentioned, when I would go home late at night and just stitch out all of these things that were in my sketchbooks and in my head and where graffiti quilting was starting to be born, as I started showing people my work, they were like, wow, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't exactly know how it just kind of (laughs) like came out of me. But, but at the same time, over those years, I was starting to conceptualize like, okay, there's a rhyme and reason to this type of quilting. I just need to decipher it and kind of document it because there was definitely a clear act. Well, I shouldn't say clear. Now it's clear. Like as I teach graffiti quilting, I'm really proud of myself as a teacher because I break it down in a way where I get to condense 10 years worth of skills into like an eight week class and Mm. kind of, kind of help people jump over the stumbling blocks that I had by working through what I had already worked through logically over that time. So I was creating some computerized quilting designs a little. And I, you know, I'd say to my husband, like, let's build a website so that I don't have to like find people to pimp me out. I could sell them myself. And he's like, okay, well maybe when your royalties are, you know, more than a hundred bucks a quarter, we'll talk about it. And, um, and so, cause my husband's a computer programmer, so he definitely, had the, had the ability to build a website, but he was, it was good because he helped me to stay motivated to say, okay, if there's something here, let's, let's make it cost effective so that we could do that. Um, so we continued kind of working on that. And then around 2013 or so, um, I think is when we built my website and I started kind of licensing my designs, but then also selling them directly on my website. Um, and then in two, in fall of 2014, is when I published my first book, Graffiti Quilting. And it was incredible how it took off. Like it just kind of, it kind of just blew up. Like it, yeah. it was, it was very well received, which is awesome. Cause you know, I, and I could go into those, but I had a lot of other experiences as I was trying to become more professional in the industry where I definitely felt excluded because of my mm. age. 
And so to have something that like one reason that I named it graffiti quilting and that, and that I love graffiti, that's a part of my background pre quilting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in an inner city neighborhood where, you know, that's part of me coming to the quilting industry and with graffiti, it's anonymous, right? Like we don't often, we hardly ever know who the graffiti quilting Mm -hmm. or who the graffiti artist is at that work. And so part of my motivation for naming graffiti quilting, what it is, is because I wanted, I felt very strongly that I wanted my work to speak for itself. Like I didn't want to be known as a quilter who was good at quilting because I've been doing it for 40 years. I wanted to be known as a quilter who's good at quilting because I did 40,000 hours because <laughs> my works, I wanted my work to really speak for itself. Yeah. So I wrote this book and um, it kind of took off like wildfire. And so kind of my, my exit from handy quilter, my conversation went something kind of like, Hey boss, I've been invited to teach graffiti quilting all over the world. So I'm going to need three months off of work. And my boss was like, uh, remember how you work with the development team and you're the only beta tester and we kind of need you to not take three months off. And I said, uh, okay, well then I guess this will have to be my two week notice and I'm quitting because I'm not going to say no to traveling the world to teach. (laughs) So it was kind of funny. And luckily, like they were incredibly, you know, they were incredibly supportive and very, very gracious and understood where I was coming from that they were like, yeah, you can't miss an opportunity like this. And so it was in the summer of 2015, I left my job at Handy Quilter for good. And traveled to Canada and England and Scotland and Ireland and a Southern tour across Australia teaching graffiti quilting for that summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it was cool. So it's kind of like throughout those five years while I was working there, I was building my foundation for myself on the side, right? Like I was, I I knew that I had a bigger goal in mind than just like, okay, I quit my job. Now what? I I knew exactly where I was going to go. And then when that opportunity finally rose, I was able, like I left my job at Handy Quilter making more money on the side yeah. than what I was making working full-time there. And so that was kind of my gauge all along. Andrew and I were like, okay, as soon as your side hustle can be your main squeeze financially, keep your day job until your side hustle really starts to show you some love. And so that was a really smart decision Yeah, um, that's kind of helped us launch like I'm proud to say that with my business, I've never been in debt for my business. Everything that I've done or needed to invest in, I've paid cash for upfront. In fact, my when I launched Graffiti Quilting, when I published that book, the pre-orders from that book paid for my quilting machine before oh, I wow. left Candy Quilter. Did, so, did you self-publish your book? I did. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a really cool experience. And and since then I've published more books and that's been a lot of fun. And so, so yeah, I, I've, I feel like it's the key for me at least. So this is like my unsolicited advice to others who want to be a business owner is like the sweet spot is this Venn diagram where one side is something that you're passionate about. The other side is something that makes you money. That sweet spot in the middle is where your passion, you know, where your sustainable passion lies. And for me, that's quilting. So (laughs) very cool. I love it. Yeah. So kind of back to sort of the the personal side or the hobby side of it, if you will. 
Do you sew other things or is, are you just a quilter? I mean, you know, when you introduce yourself, is it always just as a quilter or are you a sewist, a seamstress? I mean, how, how do you classify yourself and what other kinds of sewing maybe do you do? So I guess when I introduce myself to people who are not into quilting, I say I'm a graphic designer and I specialize in pattern design. So doing pattern design, surface design, um, quilt design, I'm not, I, I don't do much piecework professionally just because I'm not a, I'm, I'm not at a professional level for piecing. Like I don't really, I don't write piecing patterns because that's just not where my, my love is. So I would say mainly quilting, mainly free motion quilting, along with computerized quilting. I really, I married a a straight up nerd, right? And so (laughs) I oftentimes see so many ways that I can incorporate modern technology into quilting. And I really like pushing those boundaries and pushing Uh, those limits. So a lot of my computerized quilting designs kind of really push the limits of like what's quote allowed for patterns because there are a lot of common misconceptions within the quilting world because it is such a traditional and old art form mm-hmm. that there's a lot of times that it's like, well, this is the way we do it because this is how mom showed us. Cause that's how grandma showed her. Cause that's how great grandma showed her. And you don't stray from tradition. And I'm like, well, what if I do, let's find out what happens. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm yeah. really not, I don't have the, the fear of we'll try it and see. And if it fails, oh, well, like, I think a lot of people get really hung up on that fear of failure. And I don't seem to have that filter. Like I just do it. (laughs) And if it works amazing, if it doesn't, then like, so what? Nobody died. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, like we wasted some thread and some fabric, but we could sleep better at night knowing that thing that kept us up wondering if it would work, worked or didn't work. So very cool. Yeah. So you're you're predominantly a, a free motion quilter. But um, have you, do you mostly always take, and I I love that you're a free motion quilter, and then now you've taken some of those designs, I guess, and digitized them so that other people can easily recreate what you do by free motion. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of parallels, actually, with with our own business with with Sulky. I mean, we started out teaching people how to do free motion embroidery using mm-hmm. sulky 48 rayon um what is is what, what kind of products do you use in your free motion quilting do you and do you do the same thing or recommend the same thing when you use uh, machine quilting or, or or digitized quilting so my i actually really love 48 rayon for machine quilting that's i would say that's my number one go-to thread if i'm not using sulky invisible Mm. And I know that that's surprising. Like, I think so many people are so scared of invisible thread. Like there's like this taboo freak out attack that people have with free motion quilting. If I tell them to use invisible thread and I, it's my favorite, it's my go-to thread to use because my quilting, like, I don't know when to quit. My quilting is so dense and like graffiti quilting is very loud, right? Like uh-huh. there's a lot of overlapping stitches. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in graffiti quilting. And so like, if I'm quilting for a client who brings me a really beautiful, colorful quilt top and they want an edge to edge design, or they want graffiti quilting all over nine times out of 10, I'll use invisible thread so that it can just hmm. be this texture without detracting from the quilt top with a colored thread. Yeah. I buy the, I buy like the 6,000 
yard spools. I buy like four at a time and I use them. Like I have empty, I have empty spools of that stuff. Like, (laughs) so, so that is like probably my go-to favorite thread for free motion quilting for functional quilts, because it just allows me to go crazy with texture while not, well, like, uh, like holding up the, the aesthetic of the piecing, Mm -hmm. you know, like, cause at the end of the day, when someone pieces this beautiful quilt, the last thing that it needs is noisy quilting on top of it. That just kind of takes away from all the work that that patchwork was. And so, um, when I'm quilting for clients, I try really hard to make sure, cause I'm noisy. I'm loud. I like to show off with my <laughs> quilting cause that's the only thing I'm good at, but I try really hard to make sure that my skills take a wingman, so to speak yeah. for their quilt top. And so I love the invisible yeah. thread for that because I can kind of show off and get a little crazy, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's just textural. Very it's not cool. adding any color and it, and it allows it to kind of step behind the fabric or behind the piecing. And then when it comes to like, um, I have dabbled a little bit in digitizing for machine embroidery as well. Mm. And so that's where the silky 48 weight rayon, I love that. And, and when I'm doing free motion quilting, where I do want the color or the quilting to show up, that rayon is kind of my go-to as well. I just love that it has this like really shiny, like glamorous type embroidery feel Mm. and with graffiti quilting I overstitch quite a bit so you're almost getting kind of this embroidery texture because there's so much stitching Um, but because it's a 40 weight it's kind of just the perfect weight where I can overstitch and get a thick line but it's not so heavy and crazy but it's also not so thin that I'm overstitching forever so it's to me the that rayon is kind of the perfect the perfect thread the perfect awesome. color thread. It's my favorite one to you. So I'm glad you mentioned that one because that what was other, not even planned. <laughs> what are what are some of your other favorite tools or things that you just sort of have to have in your sewing? You know, whether they're tools or notions or oh. products or of some sort. What are what are your favorite things? So I mean, obviously my quilting machine. I love my quilting machine. I use a handy quilter infinity, which is like their big their big mama machine. When I, when I left handy quilter, I made sure to buy everything that I needed on a discount, which luckily now that I'm a brand ambassador, they still give me a really good discount. But, um, so my machine definitely, and I've had a few different models from them, but the infinity was the machine that I helped develop when I was a beta tester. So when I was working, yeah, when I was working in the development team, full-time when I worked for them, that machine was under wraps and I got to kind of be the first person to really test it and to push it to its limits and, and try to break it. And so Mm -hmm. that, so my machine is special to me because I really feel like I got to help it come, come to be, I mean, obviously I'm not an engineer, but (laughs) I, but I feel like, I feel like the work I did there was really valuable and rewarding. And I'm really grateful that I got to have that opportunity. And then that along with my pro stitcher. So being able to do computerized designs, like I said, I'm totally a techie nerd and it constantly, I mean, I've had my pro stitcher for years and years and years, and I still am finding new ways to kind of harness the technology of Mm. computerized quilting, uh, like within my digitizing, the things that I offer on my website. And so that's been really, really fun to explore. Another kind of technique that I really love is designing things digitally. I, I ended up going to college for graphic design. So I have a design background 
heavily based in computer graphics. So using Photoshop and Illustrator. Um, And another thing that I really, really love is designing my quilt tops digitally and then having them printed large format to the size of a quilt top so that I can create a quilt that achieves the aesthetic that I'm trying to do without having to be a master piecer or a master applicator. So I'll print my fabric large format and then just take it straight to my quilting machine and quilt it. Um, Yeah. So I guess it's not really a notion as much as a type, a type of quilting, but, but yeah, my husband and I even launched a custom printing fabric company in 2018 based on that because I was going to ask you about that. What do you do to (laughs) print those large format designs? Yeah. So we partner with a print on demand company and, um, our website is called honestfabric.com and it's based on being fair trade, American made and eco-friendly. And it's all about catering to quilters. So people like me who sure we know how to piece. Yeah. We might want to learn applique, but at the end of the day, we want to spend as much time as possible quilting. Hmm. So they're all, they're all large format quilt tops that are ready to take straight to your quilting machine and quilt. And so those are a lot of fun to, to really explore that, especially because Sometimes there's just aesthetics that you can't achieve with piecing or applique or Mm. traditional types of quilting or types of, you know, um, quilt top making. And so being able to just design it digitally and then print it, it's been amazing. It blows my mind. So now when you, when you, would you, so just so the audience understands, this is kind of like. I don't want to call it paint by numbers, but when once you've printed that on there, you just are kind of following the lines or, or, or do you have instructional things outside there that tell you how to quilt on this pre-printed piece of fabric? I mean, how, so what? that's the, the beauty of it is that it's all up to the quilter. So okay. we provide, we provide beautiful quilt tops and then You know, one quilter might look at one of them and be like, oh, that's a beautiful design. I'm just going to do an edge to edge. And this is going to be an awesome quick wedding gift or an awesome baby gift where I don't have to think about what the quilt top looks like. I know that the quilt top looks good. So I'm just going to quilt it. And then there are other quilters who might look at those same tops and be like, oh, wow, this is perfect. Because since the design is already there, I can interpret it and I can quilt this section one way and this section another way. And they would interpret it the same way that you would interpret a piece top. The only difference is you don't have to piece a single seam mm. to achieve achieve that same look. Nice. Very yeah. Cool. So it's been cool. And it's been a really great um, community that we've been able to build because it's largely about partnering with other designers and other artists. And so like, for me, it's kind of a love letter to the quilting industry. Like thinking back when I was a nobody and I reached out to that first design website and said like hey like will you give me a platform to start expressing my voice and they said yes you know and so now for me honest fabric is not so much about like oh i'm going to start another business and and make money it's more like can i create a platform and a community and a space where other artists like myself can have a voice and you know kind of share their artwork in a way that people can make beautiful quilts out of them. So some of the, some of the designers on honest fabric are like legit pattern designers where they'll write a piecing pattern, but then they'll also offer it as a quilt top Mm. or they'll, or some are teachers. So like one of our designers, her name's Natalia Bonner, and she is a long arm quilting teacher. She's phenomenal. And so she'll write like a new curriculum 
And then she'll have a quilt top so that you can just order the quilt top and take her class and do all the quilting without having to piece your quilt top first. Mm -hmm. And then there are some artists who have nothing to do with quilting and have no interest in quilting, but they create beautiful artwork. And I see their work and I'm like, oh my gosh, that needs to be a quilt. Like, I feel like that's the curse (laughs) of a quilter is once you, once you like become a quilter, you start looking at everything as like, oh, that's a quilt. That should be a quilt. That should be a quilt. And so I found these other artists, like there are some hand lettering artists. There's a photographer who does micro photography of chemicals that create these beautiful patterns. And I'm like, that oh, needs cool. to be a quilt. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's really mm-hmm. cool because it's like kind of part helping, you know, professionals within the industry diversify how they make money off of their pattern design, but then also introducing new things to the industry that yeah. quilters wouldn't otherwise see. That's so. Cool. Yeah. So it's been a really fun kind of collaborative process to kind of just like force people to be friends, like non-quilters and quilters. Like if I can just introduce new people to the industry while also providing beautiful things for existing quilters is it's just a lot of fun. And it, you know, there's so much room in this industry and that's something that I often didn't feel when I first started quilting. I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. because of my age, I was looked at as like, okay, well, here's a little corner for you until you can like prove yourself. Hmm. But I don't ever want anyone to feel that way. I want people to feel like there's room for all of us. Cause there is like, yeah. that's such a misconception to think that like, if you're doing something, it makes less space for somebody else. That's such a lie. And yeah. I don't want anyone to believe it the way that I believed it, you know, when I was younger. So, you know, I want, I just, I want people to know that anyone who wants to embrace quilting, that like there's room for you. There's room for everybody here. And I, yeah, I, I think that's the best thing we could do for an industry, A, like to help it thrive and keep going. But B, that's also how we make our livelihood. And if yeah. we can show people that we have something for them, then I get to keep doing what I love to do and make money. Yeah. <laughs> So, so obviously you are a self-driven, self-motivated person, but, you know, ha- has there been anybody in the industry? Uh, you mentioned several times that you kind of felt excluded or, or eh, excluded, maybe it's not the right word, but just not like you were provided the, all of the opportunities maybe that you could have been, but was there anybody who, who stood out against that? And for you or someone that helped you along the way or anybody that was instrumental in, in your success, would you say? Uh, and obviously there's an industry full of very strong women, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that took their hobby or passion and have turned it into very valuable businesses. And um, I just wonder if there are any of those people that were helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's been a lot of just like, Well, first of all, excluded is the right word. Like, it's okay to call it what it is. Like, I think there are definitely parts of this industry that are very exclusionary. And that's like, that's okay, I guess. You know, like (laughs) what I've come to learn is that like, for me, it's not so much that like, I am trying to think of people who are like, oh, without this person, I could not, I would not be where I am today. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I carry that mindset because I've seen it's almost like this scarcity mindset. Like when you first start a business and you're trying to find clients, it's like, there's this need to say yes to everything because you're scared that like somehow 
all of a sudden everyone's going to stop PC and then you're never going to find another client, which is a total <laughs> myth, you know? And once you kind of get over that thought process, it's so much more enjoyable and easier to be like, no, the work is going to come, but I'm going to keep doing me. And so that's kind of the mindset that I've always had is I, and uh, maybe this is just because of that, like going back to like authority and control. Like, I don't want to feel like, like, I want to feel like I can rely on my own merits. And so, so sometimes I don't accept help or I don't accept, um, like if someone's trying to throw me a bone because I want to be able to say like, no, I'm here because I chose to be here and because I work hard to be here. Um, so There's definitely, along with the exclusion in the industry, there's so much inclusion. And I think that those things just happen on a micro scale, you know, Mm -hmm. just little things here and there that it's like, you know, taking the time to comment on someone's Instagram and say like, wow, that's beautiful. Great job. You know, things like that. But I guess for me, at the end of the day, I get a little bit like I kind of isolate myself on purpose because I want to like, again, it goes back to wanting to portray myself authentically and kind of make sure that the things that I'm doing are because I chose to do them, not because I was trying to follow a trend or Mm. trying to follow, follow some sort of financial path trend wise. Um, So I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, there have been a lot of wonderful people in the industry that have, you know, like, I think my students, my students are my biggest advocates. The fact that every time I launch a new online class, people sign up. Like that's huge. That's, yeah. that's a better support to me than finding one mentor who's going to just tell me what to do. And then at the end of the day, I never know for sure if I did it on my own because I had someone telling me what to do, but those, those, you know, those small transactions, the one person who sees one pattern from my website and says, Hey, yeah, I'll pay 15 bucks and use this design. Like that to me is so that's powerful, yeah. you know, because at the end of the day, as much as we it's easy to feel like finances are taboo or that they're like not glamorous to talk about. It's those little things that allow me to keep doing what I love doing. And so if I could point out support from anybody in the industry, it would be the consumers who actually vote with their dollar because that's, that's a huge impact for me. And I'm so, so grateful for it. They are the ultimate endorsers, aren't they? For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where I take a lot of pride. Like I can, I can, I've done the whole like competition quilting type stuff and sure it feels good. It feels good to win a prize. It feels good to win first place or even a ribbon at all. And it feels good to get accepted into a show. But I try really hard to remember that the biggest impact I can make is helping other people to love what they do as much as I do to help people unlock the creativity that lives inside of them. Like I am a firm believer not to get too like hippy dippy, but like (laughs) I'm a, I'm a very, very firm believer that our ability to create something is a God given gift. And if I can help people unlock that even just a tiny little bit, if I can, if I can be a tiny little building block on someone's journey of unlocking the creativity that lives inside of them, that they can make beautiful things, that they can show love to other people by making a quilt. If I can help people remember those reasons for why we quilt, you know, when we're Mm. making a quilt for our neighbor who just got a diagnosis or when we're helping somebody celebrate the birth of a new baby or helping someone celebrate a wedding, you know, a communion of, of love. 
like those things, those are meaningful. And if we can make beautiful quilts and do that, that's, that's amazing. And that's what I love to be a part of. That's what keeps me in the industry that sure, sometimes I get excluded from things, but at the end of the day, if I can help even one person feel love from something that was created from somebody's heart, then that's the biggest reward ever. <laughs> well, geez, you kind of, you kind of already answered my my question that I like to always close our podcast. No, no. I mean, I've I've always kind of said, you know, as an industry that we don't sell threads and notions and fabrics and all of the stuff that you need to, to make a a sewn thing. Right. But what we really sell or, and if we could just put in a bottle and sell it by itself is that feeling of accomplishment and of satisfaction of pride that you get from creating something. And I just wonder, I mean, I'm pretty sure you, you, you believe that as well. And, but how has that feeling or that thought or that idea driven you to do what you do? I think you kind of answered that, but uh, (laughs) is that always in the back of your mind? Is that idea always there and kind of pushing you forward to, to continue helping other people? Yes, definitely. Um, So I guess one, one way that I could put it, this was some really amazing advice that I that I heard um, in an interview with actually someone who I admire a ton, but has nothing to do with quilting. Her name is Jessica Hish. And she, she is a hand letterer. She's kind of, to Mm. me, one of the pioneers of hand lettering. And she's, um, you know, Googler, I'll just say Googler, Um, Jessica Hish, H-I-S-C-H-E. So she gave some advice in an interview that has stuck hard with me for a long time. And that I like to pass on because I find it so, so powerful. And it's become kind of the way I kind of view who I am as an artist versus in addition to who I am as a business person, right? Like Mm -hmm. this constant balance between the, um, the logistics of what we're doing and the finances behind it and the, the things that feed us like emotionally and spiritually. And she, she likens it to Batman and Bruce Wayne. So She's like, okay, in your business, you're going to have parts of your business that are Batman. Like these are things that like keep you up at night that you live for, like give you the adrenaline, give you all of that, like emotional connection to the thing you're doing. But who is bankrolling Batman? Bruce Wayne. Like you cannot have you like Batman is only awesome because he has Bruce Wayne, like straight up funding his awesomeness. Right. And so it's like in your business to to have this balance between what's your Batman and what's your Bruce Wayne. So for instance, for me, my Bruce Wayne would be things like computerized quilting designs. Like it's a huge blessing to me that I can design a pattern once and sell it a thousand times. Like that part of that in my business is like, okay, at the end of the day, if I can make enough money selling computerized quilting designs to feed my family and to pay my mortgage and to, you know, put my kids in school and all of that stuff, that's my Bruce Wayne. But then my Batman is like, the things that really feed me. So it's like when I, I've had, I've had some really wonderful uh, and personal experiences. I I've been able to have some really, really heartwarming and personal experiences in quilting where there might be days that I'll spend an entire week making a quilt for somebody that like, it's not ever going to make me money. Right. So 
so I, you know, I, I could go in more depth of these stories, but so for instance, just the short answer to one, one of my good friends from high school, when her husband was put on hospice, mm-hmm. I was able to make a quilt for her in a week because I could take that week off of quote work because I knew that my Bruce Wayne was, had my back, right? Yeah. Like I could say, okay, at the end of the day, I'm not like scrimping and I'm not living hand to mouth because I have these things in my business that are going to sustain So that I can be open to, you know, what I call, I'll call it the Holy Ghost telling me like, okay, you like, here is a way that you need to make an impact on somebody that's not financial at all. This is like, this is going to be heart to heart, right? And so I'm able to be in a position to do those things where it's like, I could take a week off and make a quilt for somebody, or I can work on a project that is totally purely just service for somebody because my Bruce Wayne is going to sustain me. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's like, you know, I being able to like get over this stigma of like, Oh, making money is so greedy. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't always be so focused on your bottom line because that's greedy, but it's like, that's what allows me to have the capacity to look outside of myself because I know that my base foundation of sustainability is taken care of, you know? So that, yeah, that when, when Jessica said, gave kind of that advice and that metaphor, I've carried that with me. And as I evaluate my business, as I evaluate what I'm doing as an entrepreneur, I say, okay, it's my Bruce Wayne and my Batman. Are they equal? Are they working together? Are they communicating with each other? Am I doing enough Bruce Wayne that I can sustain my Batman to be as awesome as my Batman wants to be? Right. So, so I don't know, maybe that's my last unsolicited advice to people. (laughs) If you're trying to be a professional in the industry is that it it is about balance and it's about finding both of those things. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants to be Bruce Wayne sitting in conference meetings all day. Like that's not fun, (laughs) but Batman is only awesome because Bruce Wayne does that. Right. So it's a balance between the two of them. I absolutely love that analogy and uh, (laughs) appreciate you sharing that with, uh, with the audience. It's so applicable to everyday life in in so many ways. So yeah, thank you for that. Well, I think we were, I think we were at a good spot to, uh, to wrap it up, but um, thank you again for, joining me today. I really appreciate you agreeing to be on the podcast. I think our listeners uh, are going to greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to get to know you guys. I, I've been lucky over the last few years to really, you know, um, explore Silky products and it's been nothing but a joy. <laughs> I've had, Fantastic. I've had zero bad experiences with <laughs> the Silky stuff I've used. So thank you for, you know, it's like my Bruce Wayne has the best pens possible. <laughs> silky, silky is that. So I love, I love what you were saying about, you know, not just selling thread and stabilizer. It's about, you know, providing good quality, good quality products that allow me to be the best quilter that I can be. So I appreciate that about awesome. Silky. Well, if, if our customers uh, and listeners want to learn more about you, um, is the best place to go carlyporter.com and that's K-A-R-L-E-E-P-O-R-T-E-R.com, correct? Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. And then you can also find me on Instagram under Carly Porter Design and on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. again for being here and uh, look forward to maybe seeing you on the road again someday. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much. Take care, Carly. Thank you for listening to Why So With Sulky. 
give us a rating or a review and be sure to shop your favorite Sulky products, including threads, stabilizers, kits, and more at Sulky.com.